Hey guys, it is another episode of Video Vampires. This is Mickey. And Jessica. And uh, before we go into our, we're still doing our tour across the world. And yeah. We're in Germany slash Austria now. But yeah. Before we get into that, Jess, you saw a lot of stuff. I did. So um, first, I want to talk about how I saw Good Boys. Mm-hmm. Um, I mostly saw it because I really wanted to just go to the Alamo Draft House and I had seen everything already, or that people. Um, it was a movie that no one else had saw. Um, so I went to go see it. It's still, it's a great theater. It really is. Um, everyone give them your money. Honestly, it wasn't that bad. Um, it's a comedy. It's a rated R comedy, which I'm surprised, but it stars a bunch of sixth graders. Um, and it's basically like they have to go on a quest in order to get their dad's, or uh, one of the character's dad's um, thing uh, what are those called? Drones? Yeah. Yeah. One of those drones because they fucked it up, and then they go on this, like, really harrowing, dark, and kind of funny quest to go get one back so they can go to this kissing party. It's it's weird because I don't really like Seth Rogen um, yeah. or his movies, to be honest. The only good thing I think he did was observe and report. Uh, this is actually really funny. The cast is good. It's, um, I can't remember his name. It's, like, Jacob something. But you like the boys. Tremblay. Um, yeah, this is not The Boys. No, no I'm saying is like, oh. he produced that, though. Yeah, he did. I did yeah. like The Boys. I really hate Preacher. I hate it so much. Yeah. Um, I hate Preacher, obviously, because there's, like, an underlying layer of religion and power, which they totally didn't put in the show. It didn't, instead, they just added gratuitous violence, and they're like, we'll make up for it. And it's like, no, stupid. Anyway. Yeah, sorry. Um, this is, this is actually pretty good. Um, it was, like, way more endearing than I think it was supposed to be, but it, like, you, I laughed a lot, and honestly, at the end, I was, like, I was kind of like, oh, like, oh your friends and you think back of your friends in like sixth grade and seventh grade you're like yeah we're really not <laughs> really not friends anymore um but it was actually pretty good and then I did um watch Don's Plum and now I've watched this because it has been getting a lot more media attention lately mostly because it was a film that was banned outright by Leonardo DiCaprio and um Tobey Maguire which is there's something disturbing about Tobey Maguire I just don't like his face I did like Spider-Man 1 I still think Spider-Man 3 is one of the most terrible movies Spider-Man I've ever 2 is seen. fantastic. Yeah, Spider-Man 2 is good. Spider-Man 3 is awful. I'm sorry, Sam Raimi. It's just really fucking bad. Yep. But there's something about Tommy McGuire I really don't like. You but know, Do you not know any of the stories about him? Like the, Being a creep? Yeah, the Molly's Game stuff. Oh, no. I didn't hear about the Molly's Game stuff, but he was on Howard Stern, and I remember him like saying these really creepy stories about like him fucking Kirsten Dunst or whatever her name is. Yeah. Um, so I always kind of thought he was a creep, and uh, it's funny that they chose this movie not to make, uh, or not to publicize. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't hate it. I, honestly, I thought it was way better um, and way less offensive than I thought it was going to be, given that um, they had it banned from like the United States and Canada. Right. Um, it would have played a lot better as a short Mm -hmm. all the actresses in it are really good um it's nowhere near um as like uh as good as kids or anything that it was trying to portray itself as but it takes place in one night in a diner you know a bunch of shitty teenagers get together and they're just talking about their lives and you know it's it's really not that bad um Leonardo DiCaprio's in it, and he has, like, some of these, like, stupid one-liners, you know, where they talk about fat people, and they call everyone the F-bomb, and stuff like that, but it's really not as bad as I thought it would be. Maybe in, like, 1995 or whenever, when when they were trying to portray themselves as a certain actor, you know, Um, but it's very much, like, Basketball Diaries type of Leonardo DiCaprio, you know, where he's just, like, a little shit. Um, Not that he was 
he kind of was in Basketball Diaries. Sure. But, um, yeah, I watched it. It's really not bad. I just, uh, it's just kind of, it was kind of boring, to be honest. Yeah. It would have played much better as a short, unfortunately. Um, it never got the chance. It just was destroyed before it got well, a lot really... of actors do that now, where, like, they go back to something, like, that they did in the past. Uh, Renee Zellweger and Matthew McConaughey, they were actually in the fourth Texas Chainsaw. Yeah, but d- was that... Hmm? Was I? I saw that. Well, supposedly, like it was supposed to come out much sooner than it did. And oh. The, and then, like, their the rumor is that their agency um, basically told like like Sony, like, you're not releasing this movie because we don't want it to. Like, we expect we're expecting these two to become big stars. Oh, really? Yeah. Matthew McConaughey has gone back and been like, yeah, I did it, and it was fun. You know? Yeah. Whereas Renee Zellweger hasn't really talked about it. At all, you know? Yeah. But, like, it's one, there's definitely movies where, like, actors, they try to go back and retroactively, like, hey, I don't want anybody ever seeing this yeah. movie, so. <laughs> Which is kind of sad, you know what yeah. I mean? Because then, like, you know, Johnny Depp uh, was in the first. Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, and, like, I feel like people, it, it's, it's kind of, like, sad for horror, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's for, like, funny you say that, though, because Johnny Depp, after Nightmare on Elm Street, was in a movie called Private Resort, and him and Rob Morrow, who, was, uh, who got big because he was in a show called Northern Exposure, they have, I mean, I don't know if it's a joke, but they had a pact where uh-huh. they were going to try to destroy any copy they found. And when you watch really? it, you go, yeah. Because it's like, it's, it's you know, whatever. It was a paycheck for them. But you go back and you're like, oh, man, this is pretty bad. Like I think about that, too, with, uh, what's it, Friday Night Frights was just going to play that, um, or is playing that Brad Pitt movie. Cutting like, Glass. Yeah. Played it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, which is great, because you think about how many of these, like, predominant crazy actors have gotten their start in horror. Not that Dumb Swim is a horror movie, it's just, like, a shitty version right. of, of kids. I have Cutting Class. I've never... You watched, do? I own video, yeah, but um, I might tell you about it. But, yeah, it... It, I just had to watch it, and sure. also it's it's on YouTube, so it's actually really funny because someone uploaded it, and it in the description it says just because Leonardo DiCaprio and Tobey Maguire don't want it seen. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's I mean it's worth watching. Honestly, it wasn't anything as as bad as I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be way worse and kind of show them in this light that. But I've always kind of thought that. They were both douchebags. But if so. you play a douchebag in a movie, it doesn't make you a douchebag in real life, you know? And I think I think what you said, like, their whole team was going to be like, oh, no, we want to, these, yeah. these American boys, yeah. we can't or, let them or, be or seen. Or even, like, we, we, these guys are too big to be, have ever shown up. But people forget that Leonardo DiCaprio was in a Critters movie, you know? And Tobey Maguire is in The Wizard. Yeah. You know? And it's, like, also Tobey Maguire, who, like, I used to love. I, I, cause I really? Because I love the movies. Um, he is a total douche. Yeah. Like, read, just, read up read up on the Molly's game. So, like, Molly's game was the, there was that woman yeah. who, like, started that whole, po- like, that. Jessica Chastain played her in the movie. Yeah, exactly. And she started that whole poker thing, and there was, like, Tobey Maguire was. Uh, oh, was he supposed to be, uh, my, the, fucking Michael Sarah's character yes, guy? in the movie, uh, he's yeah. Michael Sarah's character, who, like, uh. That makes you know, sense. Tells her, like, he's gonna give her a chip if she, like, barks, like, a, a, a seal or something like yeah. that. Yeah. And, like, even other people were, like, who are that, that game were, like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Like, why are you such an asshole? So. Um, but her article that that movie was based off, like the one that she wrote, is really fucking good. And it's really like, man, like it's, it's not surprising that that mo- the article came out, that movie became a thing, and we haven't really seen much of him since. Because like, yeah, I wouldn't show my face either. You're yeah, kind of you're disgusting. Um, and then I watched a bunch of German films, but uh, I know you saw um, oh, yeah. scary movies, right? Well, I actually went to a few things. I uh, I, I went to Eraserhead at the Arrow because. Yeah. Uh, uh, Cinematic Void's doing a midnight movie run at the Arrow. Research is my favorite movie of all time, and I've seen it in theater, but I've never gotten to see it like um, 
when the movie first came out, it was like during the midnight movie era where like movies would come out and they would only play at midnight. Mm-hmm. Uh, Racer being one, Pink Flamingos. Um, so getting to see it in that context was like really awesome. Uh, I was super exhausted, you know, because I'm, I'm older now. It's like, oh, it's, <laughs> I know. I, I just drove like almost an hour to Santa Monica, and now I'm driving almost an hour back. Um, so, but I, I, I love that movie so much, and I could go on and on about it. And I kind of will when we start talking about the movies that we've, you know, uh, in Germany and Austria. You yeah. Know, it's, it's very much an American film. Um, but I also went to the Arrow myself. I mean, not the Arrow, the uh, Alma Draft House and saw yes. Scary. Scary stories tell in the dark, and uh, I'm one of those, I feel like a minority who is just not impressed at all. I want to see it now. I mean, it's weird because I've heard the praises, and then I hear you, you what you say, and it's very much like scary. the book is like so ingrained in most of our like childhood, right. you know, like in, in anybody who liked horror or like reading, yes. you know, like same with Goosebumps and stuff like that. Exactly. Like you want it to like have this... I want it to be another creep show. I want it to be like, you know, like Tales from the Dark Side, the movie, like one of those anthology movies. And like, just because I feel like they could have gotten the stories right. And in, in the movie, it's just cosmetically uh, scary stories tell in the dark, but like none of like what makes it like, none of the folklore aspect, It's it, none of it's there. Like, um, and they just, they do things where it's just like, oh, you're just taking an image. You're not taking what makes it creepy. Yeah. You know, like uh, there's, you know, on the poster, you see that the Scarecrow Herald in the book. Or in the short story, these two farmers, they, they create this scarecrow out of this this other farmer that they don't like, and they just torment it. They just smack it around. They just, like, smear food on it. And then one day, it just grunts. And they're like, well, what the fuck is that? Uh-huh. And they start getting freaked out. And then they, they kind of, like, talk themselves out. And they're like, oh, it's probably just an animal stuck in there. So they start doing it again. And this time, Harold just gets up and just walks around the cabin. And this, they're in this little, like, cabin, little, like, shack or whatever. And then it goes, it climbs up on the roof and just starts prancing around like a horse that to me is scary. Yeah. Yes, at the end of the story, somebody gets killed. We never see it, but but to me, the scariest part is like it just getting up and just doing weird shit. Yeah. That to me freaks me out. Whereas in the movie, it just becomes a homicidal scarecrow, and it's like, yeah, I'm sure that that's that, that's creepy in its own right. But like again, these stories had more to them. You know, like they were more about dread and atmosphere, and it was great because they never pulled punches. Yeah. I, 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 if I hadn't seen Scary, if I hadn't read that, those grew up with those books, I probably I might have liked it more. The problem I had with the movie was, um, one, it takes place in the '60s, but yet you wouldn't know that if unless unless you watch the opening scrawl like title. Oh, thing. it does. Yeah, because it doesn't look like it. There's nothing about it that really. I mean, there's a few like there's a uh, Nixon, you know, uh, it, the election oh. is, is 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 on TV and everything like that. But other than that, like. Uh, Nothing really gives you the indication that the characters don't act like it's the 60s. The characters are using, like, modern vernacular. Uh, it just, it doesn't do it for me in that sense, the time period. Also, um, the movie just, it, there's some moments that it has bite, but it never seems to break the skin. It's always just like, you're like, holy shit, this is going to be fucked. Oh, okay. And it's still kind of soft. It kind of, it, it, I feel like it was kind of soft, you know. I'm sure, then again, I'm also seeing it as, as somebody in their their 30s, not somebody who's seeing it as a child who's going to a PG-13 movie and being like, oh my god, that's the most disturbing thing I've ever seen. It's just, I don't feel like it's the best gateway horror film. Like, people are like, oh, it's a great movie to introduce kids to horror movies. And I'm like, sure, if you don't have access to anything else. Yeah. Knock yourself out. But I wish I had, like, a gateway. Like, I had not seen Monsters Gone as a kid, so, like, I just went straight into horror, and yeah. I was, like, disturbed constantly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, like as Monster a kid. Squad's one, uh, The Gate was another one. That yeah, The Gate, which honestly we covered it, yeah. but it still scares me. Right, but it's a movie it's that a, voice. a lot of kids saw and they were like, oh my God, you know, and it you got them what? into horror. Mine was Cat's Eye, there really. Yeah, that's a good it one, It was yeah. like, it fucked me up because I thought there was yeah. little trolls in the wall, exactly. for real. Right, so there's there, there do exist these movies that we yeah. grew up with, and I'm sure maybe back in, when those came out, like there was people our age being like, eh, yeah, yeah, like, you know, what is this shit? Right. Yeah. But that's how I felt, and especially considering that I love those books so much, that I was like, man, you could have you could have done, you could have achieved the same thing, even better if you just told the stories. Like, you know, people sitting around a campfire, which is what Scary Stories Tell in the Dark is kind of built on, is like, there's even stories in the book that instruct you how to read the story out loud, uh-huh. but you jump out and say something to somebody, and there's none of that's there. Um, I saw that, and then, um, and that was at the Arrow, and I mean, the, I don't know, I keep saying the Arrow, it was at the Alamo, great i also spent a hundred bucks i know it's so easy so i that it's gonna make it really hard to see like new movies there because if you don't if, if you're not sure if you're gonna like something you you know you're taking a, a huge financial gamble and, and i have to remind myself it's not just you're not just going to a movie it is literally dinner and a movie yeah it's just a pricey dinner and a pricey movie it's an it's an experience i mean um even when same thing when we went we spent like a hundred dollars very easily yes at, you want to because you know the seats are nice they recline and you want to yeah. kind of like treat yourself you're like oh this yeah. is all nice like it's very night. good market it's very it's very good at manipulating your audience <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean i'm going here's the thing is that like that night when we got back from scary stories telling the dark i went online and i bought a ticket for it they're playing night of the common on tuesday and that's one of my all-time favorite la films and i was like granted those tickets for older stuff are cheaper but it's still yeah. like i know i'm gonna drop at least 40 or 50 bucks on food and I, i'm going by myself by the way i'm my fiance is leaving, you know, going out of town for the week, and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna go treat this. yourself. I'm gonna be the creepy guy going to see a movie by himself. Um, because I see movies by myself. I know, time. Am I creepy? No, it's, <laughs> but it's different. I feel like it's so much different for a guy. I mean, no, it's not. It's not different <laughs> at all. But it's gonna be. It's different when like you're just sitting there like pounding down a milkshake and like you know, watching the movie. I don't know. I just I was like, oh great, this there's one seat available. I'm gonna take. Yeah. It. And, like it's just like you know, it's like me. I always feel like I'm the creepy guy on the airplane. When because I'm watching something on my computer that I'm like, oh man, if anybody leaned over, they'd be like, what the fuck are you doing? Or, or you know, when I was watching Rocky or Picture Show one time on, at the because the airline had it on their screen and I was laughing out loud, but you know, of course, all you see is somebody like you don't hear laughing, what they're laughing, you yeah. see somebody laughing, and I was like, man, if I start doing the audience participation stuff now, I'll be even creepier, which I was thinking about doing, but. Um, I just guess I translate that over to... Well, last time that happened to me, is really funny because the woman next to me, um, when I got up and, you know, when you're trying to exit the plane, the woman handed me a card and it was a prayer card and she's like, I think you need it. And oh. I was like, lady, okay, thank you. Like, trying not to be well, there's <laughs> rude. There's Manhunter where William Peterson is, like, looking over, like, these, like crime scene photos on the oh plane. yeah and yeah like, he passes out and then like he wakes up to this like child next to him screaming as like the, the airline attendant is like frantically trying to like grab his yeah. photos and everything and like cover them up that's how i feel on a plane nine nine out of ten times anyway because i like always feel like i'm doing something like i'll put on some weird italian horror film on my my computer and it's like i will forget how much sex and violence is on there yeah and it's not just like oh here's a boob here and there it's like Italians got pretty wild with it. We'll get into Italian horror, uh, but um, but yeah. So I saw that, and then um, that's pretty much. Oh, and then I, you know, and I'll, I, I can only say that you guys have to do this if it happens in your town. But I went and saw uh, Tim Capello 
at the whiskey. Oh my god! On, uh, the last... video you showed me is amazing. Yeah, so we're gonna fr- post it. Yes, on Friday night, um, uh, my fiance and I went to go see Tim Capella. Tim Capella was the saxophone player in that scene, Lost Boys, and um, I'm a very big fan of that song and of him. And he was Tina Turner's, you know, saxophone player. He played with Ringo, um, but he gets up on stage. He's like, "Look, I know none of you guys are here because of my." Work I did with Tina Turner, Aww. or my work with Ring. No, but he's not saying it. I know, but he's I like, know. But he's and he's like, he's like, I know that you guys are here for this one song. So if you don't mind, I'm going to build up to it. And of course, the audience is like, fuck yeah, because he's like, he's coming down the stairs to the stage, like playing the sax, getting into. The, he spent more time, at least or at least half time, in the audience playing the saxophone to people. Like, there's videos of him like walking right next to me and like leaning, putting his, sh- his head on my fiance's shoulder while he's playing the sax and it is amazing like, he was such a great guy and it was such a fun show and um he tells stories in between the songs they're all fun it's like it's just it's watching somebody you know you, somebody who knows that this is their moment yeah and they're just going to go for it and you're just watching it and you're and he's so humble and so nice and like if he's he's doing his tour you know he played in la on Friday, if you go, he played in Santa Cruz a few days before that. Oh, on I the, that would have been so, what? on the stage. No, yeah, stop on the stage that he did in Lost Boys, and like he posted a picture of him and his wife, and like in Santa Cruz. Like if you go on his Facebook, you're just gonna like your heart's gonna melt because he's like such a sweet guy, and like that's um, incredible. I yeah, I, I thoroughly recommend if you find tickets. I mean, they're not gonna sell out. Let's be honest, and they're awesome. Yeah, um, and he was awesome. Uh, it was great. That's so exciting. It was. I honestly, the video showed me was like so cool. <laughs> oh God, he's just like he looks great. He I like really appreciate him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Him. So what all did you? Is that all that you watched her? Yeah, I mean, I feel like I, I crammed a lot in. in I a did. No, my mind is all messed up. I I did cram in Mindhunter. Um, oh yeah. So the second season came out. I really liked it. It's it's almost been like two years, I think, since yeah. uh, the first season aired, like a year and a half. It's it's been a while, um, and so everyone's just kind of been waiting. And I fucking I watched it. I jammed it out in like a day. Yeah. Um, it's great. It really is. The second season is incredible. Um, they go through you know a mirage of of serial killers that they're talking to Manson's. Um, in there they kind of touch on the btk killer a little bit um so yeah it's it's really good i really like the whole dynamics of these fbi investigators and and the research and they also touch on like women especially in the Mm. bureau you know i think it's i think it's supposed to be like 79 um or 1980 and it's even still you know there's a there's like this it's grotesque but there's a part where like uh the director is introducing her to someone and he like just looks it over and like takes her zipper and and pulls it down a little bit and it's, it's like oh i'm gonna introduce you to this guy and like pulls it down this isn't even the most gross part of the movie but it stood out to me or the show yeah. um and then you know she casually just zips it right back up after but it's still like oh you, you forget how bad it used to be for women especially uh there's that great scene in silence of lambs where she's talking to her boss yeah and she's like hey and he's like you're pretty pretty hurt when i like when I, I pulled them aside, I addressed you like that. And she's like, yeah, because if you start doing that, then... You Everyone, example, yeah. You know? And it's this really great moment of, like, her kind of asserting, like, hey, I'm not just some fucking, like, woman. Yeah, I'm, I'm an I'm, agent. Yes. I, like, this This is what yeah. I'm here for. It's, it's great. Um, it, it is. I, I would watch it. I can't believe you haven't watched it. I haven't watched it yet. I really like... I, do, I love David Fincher. I, I can't help it. 
I love. I have a lot of catch up to do, and I don't love David Fincher. I love. You don't? I do. Oh, I love. I mean, I love. I can't Alien help. Three, and I love the. Uh, That's what you pull no, no, from. No, the- no, no, no. I love Alien Three. I love Seven. <laughs> I love the game. I hated the pan. I hated Panic Room. I liked Fight Club a lot. Um, um, but I me mean, for me, like what really got me, where I'm like, this is fucking brilliant, is Zodiac. Yeah, Zodiac yeah. is brilliant. Yeah. Gone Girl is really is really good. Missed that one. Well, well yeah. you can't say shit. I know. Um, I, I, I do. I do love David Fincher. I even liked um, Benjamin Button. I love Benjamin Button. <laughs> I do. I can't help it. I saw it in the movie theater. It's very long, but I, yeah. it's probably one of my favorite Brad Pitt movies, to be honest. But I watched a lot of German films, yeah, too, because we're in Germany. Yes, yes. This is where we are now. Yes. We moved on from France to Germany. So uh, German horror is really interesting because I actually don't know a lot about it. When I think of German cinema, I mostly think of Rainer Warner Fassbender, yeah. um, who is one of the more popularized um, German actors and directors. And yeah. for a while, I, th- I thought it was great because he was such like a, a monster of a man and um, on Google, if you looked him up, his cause of death was cocaine. Yeah. It straight up was just like <laughs> cocaine and barbiturates. And that's, and that's how he died. Um, and he's, he's such a great actor and like, he's made a ton of films like in his short life. Yeah. I think he died at 37. Yeah. Um, and he made like over 40 films. So, um, when I think of German cinema, I mostly think about him. Um, and mostly because there's not a lot of horror. There is um, there's like this whole German underground horror, German splatter, sure. um, they call it, and and mostly um, it's like because the government had such um, harsh restrictions on it, especially after sure. World War II, because no one wants to see that and no one wants to think about the horror that already took place in real life. Absolutely. Um, so I think a lot of that stuff um, that was even made right after World War II uh, that came out years later still didn't do very well. Right. Um, so then you're looking at the 80s and 90s to kind of make up for that. Also, um, which I think is kind of funny, is they have different ratings, which are similar to ours, but, like, we have NC-17, and they have, like, um, uh, it's, like, indecent. Right. I, I can't remember. I have the word for it, but I'm no, I can't pronounce that. Um, but it's, like, weird because it's lumped in, like, Hannibal Holocaust. Uh, Hannibal. Cannibal Holocaust is, are, is lumped in with From Dust Till Dawn, which I think is really funny. Um, yeah. Last House on the Left is sure. also one of these, like, indecent type of films. And then um, there's a few films that are banned outright, like Brain Dead uh, yeah. is, you can't show it there and it's illegal. Um, so I watched, actually, Necromantic, yeah. which is one of these um, indecent films. Yeah. Um, it was 1987. I'm probably going to butcher this name, but uh, George Bugarit? Yeah, I know you're talking about. I, mean, I, know, I know what you're talking about, yeah. Um, I'm sorry. Again, I my pronunciation is just shit. But this is banned in Iceland, Norway, Malaysia, Singapore, Australia, Finland, parts of Canada, and New Zealand. Um, it is a black comedy, uh, a really gross black comedy, basically, about necrophilia. Yep, that um, I honestly really liked it, and uh, I, I hate when I say this because people get this in their head and the reviews are, people are mad about this movie. They hate it. Like they really don't like it. They don't think it's art. They don't think it's funny. Um, but I mean, it's, it's, it's like, it's so silly, but I, I loved it to be honest. Yeah. Uh, it's very low budget. It's disgusting. Um, basically this working class couple, um, he works as like a body disposal so they pick up dead bodies on the side of the road and and get rid of them and basically he just takes one home and um him and his wife uh have sex with it 
uh, I won't go into details. You can figure this out on your own, how they have sex with it and the whole sex scene details. Um, but basically he loses his job and then she gets mad because she's like, well, where are we supposed to get dead bodies now? And then as uh, he's gone from home, she takes the dead body as a parting gift and then um, leaves him. And then, you know, he goes into this depression and dies, and then she digs him up, which I think is really fucking funny. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny, because I've known about that movie since I was uh, junior high, because uh, I had a family friend who was who was into a lot of, you know, um, fucked up movies, who, who introduced me to a lot of fucking movies, but that was one he was kind of like, no, nah, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to show you that. And, and right yeah. Still. But anyway, the movie just has, has got a bigger reputation in my head than I think it'll ever live up to, so. Yeah, I, I think that's what, maybe that's why I didn't find it as offensive as right. some others did, because you hear about it, and you're like, I've watched a lot of uh, deemed offensive right. films, and some of them really are, um, but, like, it, it hard, it's hard to, like, leave a review on that without sounding, because people, you know, they, they take it so personally. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really liked it. Honestly, I think it's really funny. Sure. Um, I also... Oh, and this is... There's a lot of German underground um, filmmakers, very low budget. I think... Um, I, I don't want to even say all of these names, because I'm definitely going to um, butcher them. But, like, Olaf Etenbach, uh, Ubal, Timo Rose, Andreas Schnass... Um, are some of the examples of these directors. Yeah. Um, still making films, which is really great. I watched this um, film called Blood Demon or The Torture Chamber of Dr. Sadism um, by Harold Reinl, which is actually an Austrian um, director. But right. uh, some of these are filmed in Germany, German language films. Um, this one had Christopher Lee in it. <laughs> and this guy is the same director as Chariot of the Gods, which is really interesting because I, I know that um, yeah. like documentary film. Um, sure. But I had never known anything else he's done. Um, he was a stunt skier, this director, yeah. uh, which is kind of interesting because that's how he kind of got into film. Um, this one, is it's really cool. It's an older film. Um, it's based on The Pit and the Pendulum yep. by Edgar Allan Poe. Um, it definitely has an old feel. Like It feels like, to me, like early 1960s type of films sure. and, and set, but it, I really appreciated it. It looked cool. Um, and, uh, yeah... I think this is where, like, the overlap between, like, some Austrian filmmakers and, and German filmmakers come sure. in. Because um, this is a West German film, but obviously a, a Austrian filmmaker. Um, <clears throat> it's really cool. You can find these on, like, Vimeo, on YouTube, sure. um, Amazon Prime. And then I watched um, a newer film called The Nightmare, uh, yeah. which came out a few years ago, like, 2015, 2016, um, by a director called Akiz. Um, he abbreviated his name because I think he also does music. Um, someone wrote the uh, a, a review that said this is Mac and Me except directed by Ruffin, which is kind of perfect. It's it's really awkward. It's not. It's a it's a horror drama, but it uh it felt it, it's very creepy. Um, it's really cool. It's kind of low lit in some places. Like I guess the director didn't really use any other additional lighting, sure. um, and also use these really wide angle lenses, um, especially when panning the room for like a, a creature. So basically, this woman um, in the synopsis it says like this woman has a mental breakdown and then is stalked by a creature. Yeah, it is kind of like that. It's like kind of a mix between other movies. You don't know is the creature real? Is she crazy? Is right. she dead? Is she having a coma dream? Like what the fuck is happening? Huh. I did really like it. I think the music is really cool. Um, the girl in the movie is like a club girl, so every time she goes into a club, obviously there's like this loud bass music playing. Um, 
I really liked it. Yeah. I I, re- I was, like, happy to find it. Um, We're, you know, it's funny because, like, I was going to say, like, my, my German film comes from, like, German expressionism back in, like, the, yeah. you know, the 20s and stuff like that. And, like, so I, I'm, I'm a, you know, I mean, that and that was an interesting thing is German expressionism, which was, um, which we hear all the time, but we never, like, some people don't even know what it means, is that um, it was... It was it was different from like showing naturalistic depictions of life. It was more of like um, exaggerated, um, you know, imagery to kind of symbolize people's like their, their internal feelings and everything. And like it, it was really prevalent during you know pre World War Two because you know from World War One to World War Two, like Germany's in a fucked up state. Yeah. And of course, this is where things go south and everything is it. But but film wise. Um, pre-World War II, and we get stuff like, you know, um, The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, you know, yeah. um, 1920, or like 1922, uh, Nosferatu, which, um... Is obviously right. one and, of the and, most famous. And it's, and it's, it's, it's it seems like a cliche to, like, you know, say, like, oh, it's one of the greatest, but when you watch it, you're like, oh, right, it's, you know what I'm saying, some people are like, the Beatles are really good, and you're like, sure, sure, and then you listen, you go, oh, yeah, you know, they really are. Not that I've ever had that, like, had somebody tell me that, but you know what it means, like, when somebody's, like, when somebody's talking about something that you're like, oh, yeah, it is really fucking good. Same with Nosferatu, like, you can't watch it and be like, holy shit. Uh, Vampire by Carl Theodor Dreyer, 1932, like, um, one thing that's very common in in German expressionism with Cabinet Dr. Caligari is, like, the set is, like, um, I guess the best way to describe Cabinet Dr. Caligari to somebody who hasn't seen it, um, is, hey, watch Beetlejuice, and if you look at the way he's, like, Tim Burton designed all those, like, the doorways, all that stuff, that's where he's getting it from. Yeah. Um, Both Nosferatu and Cabinet Dr. Caligari, and even Vampire, all have, like, this very dreamlike quality, which, um, where you're watching it, and you're like, man, this feels like a very strange, very subdued, but bizarre dream, which I think carries over, influence-wise, into... um, even American filmmakers like David Lynch, you know, when you watch Eraserhead, there's a very dreamlike quality to it, Mulholland Drive, and I think that all ties, has, into, has, ties yeah. into German Expressionism, and and then, like, there's one of the most famous movies, which, because uh, Germany had some fucked up people in Germany, obviously, mm-hmm. but uh, Fritz Lang's, I mean, there's Metropolis, which is a sci-fi example of German Expressionism. Oh, wait, Metropolis was German? Yeah, Fritz Oh, Lang. that's it. I, I, did, I did see that. Yeah. Um, I think you have to. I think yeah. anyone... I think it's it, like the birth of the golden age of, of right. film. And and I think, but that director did, um, you know, Fritz Lang did M, which is one of my favorites. Oh, where, yeah. Where the serial killer is a child killer who gets, end up getting, he's eluding the cops, but then finally the organized crime is like, this is bullshit. So then they gather together to try to track him down. And that's, you know, these are all, um, I mean, again, these are all pre-World War II, you know? I mean, like Fritz Lang, like when he, when the Nazi party started, you know, coming to power, he was like, Fuck this, fuck that, I'm getting out of here, I'm going to America. Um, but, you know, it's interesting to see that, like, you know, because, I mean, like I said, it was a very, it was a place that um, was going through some shit, obviously, economically, social, you know, like, everything. And a lot of the, the artwork that was coming out of it was them trying to, like, aspire for something grander or bigger, you know? And, like, it was, it's really interesting to watch. Um, and then, you know, of course, in this, you know, you're, you like Fassbinder, and, um, and, and I, I like some of his stuff. I was always I've always been a bigger fan of like Vim Vendors, who's never mm-hmm. done a horror movie, but you know, The American Friend, which is a great little thriller, Wings of Desire, which was my dad's favorite movie, like so many like so you know, but even It's the, like so ingrained in the history of cinema, let alone absolutely. horror. And yeah. and all of but I think it all comes back to German expressionism where like again, mm-hmm. like, you know, uh, American cinema is always in a rush to get to the point. Yeah. Whereas with German cinema, like it was always like, We'll get there when we get there and <laughs> 
you know, you can enjoy the you can enjoy the ride, you know? Yeah. Um, we're not we're not desperate to get to the destination yet. Um, so, you know, I definitely feel like German expressionism is a, plays a huge part in, in films later on. And then we get to um, the movie we watched today, or which was um, this yeah. Austri- well Austrian director, yeah. German language film uh, called Angst. Yeah. Do you want to do you want to kind of go from there and? Uh, you- well, this was based on a real uh, story. It's based on a, a serial killer, um, the Nisa. I'm sorry again if I butcher sure. that name, but um, well, the reason the Nisa- that um, yeah, because this guy actually yeah. was a serial killer. Um, in 1980, he basically was like a home invasion. He just um, went into this to this like kind of secluded um, house and then killed all three people and then uh, you know wanted to take them with him. And I think what differs is is like there's no reason for the murders. He just wanted to kill. Sure. Um, but he also had like a really sordid past. Obviously, um, even the real uh, the real guy uh, was in and out of of prison the entire time, and he was out on parole from right. prison, and then just immediately was like, "Ah, oh, I have to murder." Um, <laughs> but this film, I don't know is, why I laughed at that. I'm sorry. I know, but like <laughs> that's just how it was. He was like, "Oh, I can't wait. I'm out, and the yeah. first thing I'm going to do is murder," which um, is depicted pretty well in the film. Uh, yeah, by the way. It, yeah, it's actually so. Um, and it's funny because we started off uh, talking about this film because it, the comparisons to Henry Portrait of Serial Killer, which yeah. isn't isn't the same movie at all, but it's more of like a first person approach to being a serial killer. Yes, um, it's incredible. The camera work in this film, first of all, Stunning. it is, and it's and it's like I I don't even know how to describe it. It's like you can feel the franticness of him and and his murder and his excitement and murdering. So like we right. had talked about it too. Is like the how hard it must be. Like how did he even do that? Is he wearing the camera and then it like swivels back and forth when he's like changing direction? It's oh, it, at one point he does a complete three sixty. Yeah, which I'm like that. I, I'm watching. I'm still trying to figure out how they did that, but. Um, yeah, it just sets the tone for this being, like, a really, uh, gruesome, frantic type of, of murder. But from the point of view of... Of him, yeah. yeah. Like, we, we, I mean, I think he maybe speaks five lines of dialogue, but the rest of it Most is of his, it, yeah. yeah. The rest of it is his voiceover, his narration of what he's doing, why he wants to... So, yeah, I mean, this guy leaves... It basically, it just sums it up. The guy leaves prison, tries to find out... He, he's looking around for a victim, he finds a house full of three people, um... And we go from there. But it's all told from his perspective, which I had said to you is, I think, the reason why I think Henry's more disturbing. Henry takes a um, kind of like a, a fly on the wall view of like this, this fucked up shit going on. Whereas this is, yeah. we're, we're so into this guy's head. But yeah. Keep- yeah, even, even disturbing. It, it's pretty disturbing. Um, and it's hard to compare with like, which one's more disturbing? And you're like, you're both kind of fucked up about it. I think my favorite part, too, is um, in the beginning when he's in uh, the diner eating and he's just, like, ch- mowing down on this sausage yeah. and you could see his excitement growing about, like, the thought of him, like, killing these two women. Better and, like, diner, yeah. yeah, it's it's gross. And I think it just sets the tone of, like, his his mindset. And You know what bothered me about that scene the most was the audio, is the sound. Oh, my like, God. It's like, it's like, yeah, it's like, exactly. it's just, like, in your... It's in your soul. So, yeah, to, to describe it as people who, have, you know, obviously haven't seen this movie, is that imagine an ugly version of, was it Bill Sarsgaard? The guy who... Yeah. It. He's an uglier version of that, but he does look very much... This guy, the, the actor was also would go on to be in Das Boot. I think he was in the Underworld films. Uh, oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Oh, weird. Yeah, um, and he's great in this movie because he's... He, but the, the, you know, and every... Like, again, everything that Jess was saying, like, 
the camera work in this movie is is I mean it's amazing. It's there's no other way to put it. I mean, it doesn't look like there's a lot of budget in this film. Yeah. But holy shit, whatever they wherever the budget went, it went into like hiring one of the best DPs ever because that camera work is stunning. The music, which was by a guy who had been short was for a short t- period of time was in Tangerine Dream. Yeah, uh, Klaus Schultz. Yeah. Um, he was in Tangerine Dream. At least when they did Mindhunter. Manhunter. Uh, Manhunter, sorry. Yeah. Manhunter. Yeah, we're all, um, kind of, all, <laughs> all serial killers. Uh, um, yeah, which is, it's interesting because you can kind of feel that too in the film. It's very, it's very 1980s. Um, but I, I, I really liked it. Um, it's funny because the director of this film has also do, done, gone and done a number of documentaries. And, and educational films. Yeah, which yeah. is like kind of strange, but it, it makes sense, especially when he's doing like a true crime story. Sure. Um, and then makes this reenactment film, which is, it, it is pretty disturbing. It is. Um, I, I did really like it. The whole time, though, me and you are like this, talking about the dog. Oh, yeah, we're like, the, the dog. dog in this fucking movie that I swear to God, like, I'm so glad. That, I mean, I'll tell you right now, spoiler alert. Nothing happens to the dog, but oh my god, does it almost seem like there's, it's going to happen several... I mean, there's many opportunities for something terrible to happen to this dog. You know, my, my only... And, and this isn't a complaint, because I, I really enjoyed this movie a lot. I was surprised. It's a, when I say enjoyed it, I wasn't like, you know... I, it's a tough movie to enjoy, but I was I, I, was, I dug it, you know? and um, But my problem, you know, because somebody did compare it to Henry Porter, so the killer saying that it, it, was, it made that look tame, and I was like, and I disagree with that, because... The problem I have with us going so much and, you know, kind of focusing on the killer from his point of view is that there were scenes, and I don't even know if you realized, I know I know you were doing it, I was doing it too, where we're like yelling, we're like, dude, why are you trying to carry her body down? <laughs> yeah. Just use the fucking wheelchair. Like, we are yelling at him as if he's the hero of the movie. Yeah. Like, why are you being so dumb, dude? Like, why are you killing, why don't you just do that? And it's like, oh my God, we're, we're, and maybe that's the kind of the brilliance of the movie is that. Because he is identif- he's putting us the focus on his point of view. Yeah. Uh, we find but, ourselves identifying. We're like, dude, you're a fucking up. Yeah, like, that's not what I would do if I murdered like, those people. Yeah, like, yeah. He's ca- like, there's a scene where he's, like, awkwardly carrying this victim's body down, like, the, you know, and he's, like, awkwardly, like, ho- hoisting them up on it, like, kind of, like, their legs on his shoulders as he's, like, wheelbarrowing down almost. And it's like, <laughs> I'm, like, sitting there being like, are you fucking, there's got to be a better way to do this. If you, hey, look, man, if you want to take these bodies and dump them in the trunk of the car, there's got to be an easier way to do it. You're like, so I'm getting mad about that. But um, one of the reasons why I thought it was interesting to watch this one, too, was because the last movie we did was Eyes Without a Face. It was a French film. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of your favorite French directors, uh, one that I enjoy as well, Gaspar Noé, uh, who did... Uh, you know, irreversible. Yes. Uh, you know Boy what? Climax. The hallway scene yeah. reminds me so much of that scene in Irreversible. In Irreversible. You could tell that he was directly influenced by this film. Not only that, but somebody also said that if they if they they were you know, somebody commented that like it was an article that was commenting on that specific scene you know, uh-huh. correlating to irreversible and being like, you know, if he had the budget, um, you almost feel like he would have gone the irreversible route where this is like this you know, because one of the really, I think one of the, actually one of the disturbing scenes in Irreversible is the use of CGI in that scene. And it's like, it's, it's so minute, but you're like, oh, yeah. you're like, that really kind of makes it all the more horrifying to me, you know, that like, um, but um, yeah, it, it, he definitely, and, and I, at first I was like, oh, I don't know if I believe that because, you know, whatever, like maybe someone just saw the, the comparison. And then I looked up an interview with him where he was like, I love this movie, Angst, and here's where, and he, he literally spelled out, all of the different moments, like, different things from angst that, like, you know, like, uh, his first movie, um, which I believe is called I Stand Alone, mm-hmm. um, 
the whole movie's told from the narration or the voiceover work of the main character, who's this terrible human being. And he's like, I got that from angst, you know? Um, he mentioned uh, the camera work a lot as, uh, inspi- you know, in, in Climax, inspired specifically by angst. I could he's, see that, yeah. He's a big fan of this movie to the point, and I didn't realize this because we didn't watch it on DVD, is that on the DVD he introduces the movie. So, oh, he does? Well, yeah. that makes perfect sense. Yeah. I thought about that. The, the That whole hallway scene, I was like, oh, I've seen this. Yeah. <laughs> Not, it's a, it's a different type of, but it. It's so similar, and you could see how influenced he was. Uh, yeah. You could see how influential this movie is to everybody. Yeah, I mean, this is a really, like, I mean, again, I mean, even Henry, which I know that I don't think the director of Henry had seen this, but because this movie did not get a big release. It's gotten good reviews because people are like, yeah, this movie's fucked up, and it achieves that really well, but it wasn't a big sensation, you know? Yeah. Um, in fact, when, um, when Gaspar Noé saw it, he saw it on VHS, like I think it was like a, a, a bootleg VHS, I think. And the title was even changed from Angst to Schizophrenia, you know? Mm-hmm. Which I think is such a slap in the face to legit schizophrenics because they're not as, as yeah. fucked up as this this guy was. But um, but it was a hard movie and people, it, it really, it was just one of those movies that you kind of, you saw on video and you would tell somebody about it and you tell somebody about it and then one of them becomes like one of the biggest transgressive French directors, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, but... It, it's really weird because, like I said, you know, again, making the comparison, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, um, very similar movies, but also completely, the way they're told are completely different, Yeah, they're equally disturbing in, in certain lights, you know. Um, Henry really fucks me up. I don't know yeah, why. I think because we were talking about Michael Rooker. And yeah, especially like, that mirror and, like, yeah. him and the wife beater. It's the front cover of it. I think you drew it for me. Yeah. For, it's just, it's, it's fucking great. This is a little more, I don't know, that whole scene and... The whole beginning of the movie, though, when we talked about it, too, is when he breaks in and the, the family comes home. Right. And then he's running past them to try to, like, figure out what to do first. Like, oh, I gotta I gotta close the door. I gotta lock it. I gotta tip this guy over so he doesn't go anywhere. And he's just running around like a fucking maniac. Which is funny, because I thought he was trying to escape at first. He was yeah. like, oh, shit, they're home. And then he runs out. And then out. he runs out. But instead, he's just, like, so frantic. And yeah. even in the film, he's like, this is not what I wanted to plan. But everything's happening so fast. But he's just... And then he frantically kind of kills everyone. Right. But it's also, like, premeditated. Um, it's it is really disturbing. Yeah, I, and, and you know, like the, I think like like what I was saying too is that like with you know Michael Rooker is he's very he's very subdued throughout the whole throughout all of Henry. So when and you see him interact with other people, and you're just waiting for him to like, you're waiting for that moment when he's interacting with another person in society, just for him to like yeah. snap. Whereas in this one, we're going like like you just said, like he's he gets out of jail. He get you know goes to a diner and he's like I want to fucking murder these two chicks but he can't because he's freaked out so then he hails a cab ride and while he's the, you know the driver is driving is this beautiful woman he's like undoing his shoe so he can like try to strangle her with his shoelace but then she's like what the fuck are you doing he's like ah and he like he gets out of the car and he freaks out it's like this is a guy who has no idea what the fuck he's doing he just knows he wants yeah, to do it he just wants to murder yeah and it's it's it that freaked me out a lot too because. Um, his ineptitude made it more horrifying to me because it was like, yeah. oh man, any dipshit could fucking kill somebody, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, that's what freaked me out. Is like, that's what makes it really scary is that this is not a guy who's like, you know, who's a pro. Mm-hmm. He's just a guy who really wants to kill somebody and he's like so excited by the idea that, like you said, he just lets it get, get you know, get carried yeah. away. And, he, um, uh, so that, um, even the end scene too, when he's back in the diner and he's, it, 
I like the first. It's it's great. The parallels between the first and ending scene, too. The first scene where it's, like, a close-up, and he's, like, kind of fantasizing about this and, like, what he wants to do to them, to the end scene where he's like, no, 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 this is going to happen. And even him, his his view of them is shaky yeah. and, like, excited. Yeah. It's 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 a really fantastic film. It is. It's it's And, and I don't want to scare people off from seeing it. It's not... Um, you're, it's not going to ruin your whole day to watch this movie. Like, there's no. some movies that are good, that, but when you watch it... That just, fuck you yeah, up, yeah. fuck you up. And this one, maybe it should have fucked us up more than it did. I don't know why neither of us were, like, stunned afterwards. Like, you know, like, again, I, after Henry, I was like, oh, I just want to go home and cry. <laughs> uh, whereas, like, this one, it's, like, more of, like, man, you know, I don't know what it is, but, like, because it's certainly not, um, it's, it's very, very intense, you know? It is. Um, but I think that there's... I think sometimes the intensity in this one is more frantic, and that's why it doesn't hit you as hard as yeah. maybe Henry does, you know, because it, everything is happening so fast. It's yeah. like an 80, what, 80-minute 80 yeah, film? Yeah, very quick. Um, so it, it goes by very, very quickly, um, and so you don't, I don't think you have a chance, even though it's hyper-violent and yeah. it's disturbing, yeah. obviously, um, especially that hallway scene, um, whereas in Noé's film, that hallway scene feels like an hour. It feels like yep. forever. This film and goes it's, by... It's 15 minutes. Yeah. It's, and it's, but it does feel like... It it's, feels forever, yeah. yeah. And but then, 15 minutes in a movie is even still pretty long. It's it's very long. Yeah. Um, but even this, everything's happening so fast, and, and I think it kind of plays to that, like yeah. his excited fantasy of, of sure. murder and everything. So um, maybe that's why it doesn't um, feel as disturbing as others, but it's still very disturbing content. Sure, sure. But yeah, I, I loved it. Yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed it a lot. I, I definitely, I mean, look, even if you, if you are squeamish about like, you know, cause I mean, this does, again, it's a very, it's a movie that deals with something that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, it's, it's, it's not like there's no supernatural element to it. It's like, it's dealing with something that I think is very terrifying. You do too. The idea of a home invasion. Is oh very, yeah. It's very scary. Um, but even if like, even if that, that kind of shit kind of bothers you, I would watch it alone just for, look at this fucking camera work. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be very, and there was a few times where I was like, oh my God, like it was like even hard to watch sometimes because it is so like when, as he's walking, so is the camera, you know, yeah. but at the same time, like some of those 360 shots or the crane shots of like, you know, really fascinating shit. And like, and I'm, I know this is going to sound terrible because it's, it is a very disturbing movie, but there are some moments of like, it, you know, he kills these people, he gets into his car and he crashes. The first thing he does is just, it's almost <laughs> like you, you, he dive bombs into a car pretty much. And the best thing is that he's frantically trying to figure out what's going on. These, these old German ladies, I think some of them are nuns, are like, hey, get out of the car. Yeah. Get out of the car. And then finally one of them just opens the door and I'm like, this is hilarious, you know? <laughs> like, do not fucking hit a German lady's car because she will try to pull you out. And, you know, and if you're a serial killer that's trying to hide something... Maybe that's not your best course of action, but... <laughs> yeah, to be so excited and frantic that you just right. plow into a car with dead bodies in the trunk. But I, I think this is another interesting movie in the sense that we were talking about this with Korea, where we can, you know, the movie we watched was a great kind of, like, midway point of where Korean horror got now, and I feel like, you know, with Germany and, you know, again, Austria and, and slash Germany... Um, yeah, not to take away anything from from, from Austria yeah, right. or or Germany itself. It's just a, the distribution exactly. and the language. The language, right? Yeah. But um, you got German expressionism, and then you've got you know and on one hand, and you got like the German splatter on the other hand. Yeah. This movie kind of is nicely tucked in between, where like it does have a very stylized approach, just like German expressionism, but also has that like very transgressive, brutal. 
you know, mm-hmm. aspect of German, you know, uh, splatter and everything. That's so I feel like this is a good. So far, the movies we've been doing have been good midway points from one era to, to another. another era. Yeah. yeah, perfect. And this was definitely one of those movies, you know. And again, it just didn't take off. It didn't do as well as it. I wish it had. So I feel like movies like that don't because people, you know, they. It's. I feel like. For people outside of the horror genre, it's really hard for them to accept such a vile subject matter, you know? So I think the first instinct is to talk about how much you dislike it. You know, even even looking at reviews for some other movies, people are so upset uh, about it. Um, And then I think it takes some time for people to be like, no, this is also art. And I'm not talking about all horror, but I'm talking about like... Some, some, the German splatter and and et cetera, so... This this is art. Yeah. This is definitely... Um, so if you're looking for this movie, uh, you can find it online. Uh, just yeah, Amazon Prime with, has yeah. it included. Just look for the movie with Bjork on the cover. She's not <laughs> actually Bjork, and she's not actually on the cover, but I swear to God, the first few times I it saw does. it, I was like, that looks like Bjork, and then I would look, I'm like, oh, that's that's a German horror film. Um, yeah, if you were scrolling, I yeah, would think it was, I would think it was her. That's what happened to me. I was like, oh, shit, um... It's definitely not Bjork. I definitely, when you see the movie, you go, oh, I see that. It's just like a, it's a snapshot of a frame. But just in that particular angle, when that actress is screaming in a certain way, and then where the camera is, for a split second in a photograph, she looks like Bjork. And so that's how I always identified it. Yeah. it's um, great. Aside from that, um, we're going to be moving on further in Europe. Um next episode but yeah there's so many in each each little country has its own you know special type of of film so we're gonna spend probably a while in in europe absolutely and <laughs> absolutely so we got a lot around to cover um but uh follow us on instagram video underscore vampires um find us on spotify find us on spotify if you're already listening to us on spotify or itunes or soundcloud yeah and then um leave us comments yeah uh Especially on the video vampires uh, Instagram, we love that shit. Yeah, we definitely do. We um, like to talk about horror movies. Yeah, and uh, we'll be back next episode. Bye. Bye.